Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. Wow, Merry Christmas. So glad that you came today. God bless you. Hey, let me just remind you, uh, we'll be starting a brand new uh, Bible reading program on January the 1st. It's called One Story That Leads to Jesus. So you go to our website and scroll down there and you'll find our daily reading guide. We're going to read through the Bible this year. And this is a program that will help us to get all the way through the Bible this year. We've done that uh, several times. And I know this week that we didn't select one for you. But there are a lot of great ones on there you can go ahead and take a look at for yourself. Okay. But uh, it's going to be a great one. Well, we want to continue in our series today that we've been looking at. And we're talking about a real look at the real Christmas. And so we've been taking several Christmas movies and we've been pulling life lessons out of them to uh, help us to learn. And so last week, Anita did such a great job with uh, uh, the teaching about dreams. Continue with that with with the preacher's wife. That was really great. And uh, it's been good all along. So today I'm going to sort of end out this. But then next week, uh, Pastor Tim's going to do an addendum, and I know it's going to be great as we look at that. But let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your love to us. And we, uh, we come today on this day at, at Christmas. And pe- many people say, well, I can't go to church on Christmas or whatever. But Lord, we thank you for everyone that's here today and those that are watching online And we just pray that you will help us to learn some life lessons that will help us on this journey of life. Father, we thank you so much. And Lord, today we pray that you might be glorified. We pray that the saints might be edified and that the devil would be terrified in your name. Wow. Several years ago, CBS approached Charles Schultz, the creator of the Peanuts comic strip, with the idea of an animated Christmas special. They wanted them to use Charlie and Lucy and Linus and the whole group. And so after he'd completed the script, he brought it in for the CBS executives. And so uh, he was going to call it the Charlie Brown Christmas. And CBS applauded, said, yeah, man, that's really great. In one of the opening scenes, you find uh, Charlie Brown uh, looking into a snow-covered mailbox to try to find a Christmas card. But he doesn't get a Christmas card. And he goes by Lucy's psychiatric booth, and uh, he talks about the commercialism of Christmas. And Lucy agreed, and she says, remember this line, Christmas is nothing but a bunch of stupid toys. What I really want is real estate. And CBS said, that's so good. We love that. In the next scene, uh, Charlie Brown's disillusion is Snoopy is at his doghouse trying to put up gaudy decorations so that he could win the neighborhood contest for decorations. And Charlie Brown says, good grief. And the execs at CBS said, awesome, we love it. And the story progressed where Lucy says to uh, Charlie, go get us a Christmas tree for the Christmas pageant. And she said, look, just get one of those big, shiny aluminum ones and maybe paint it pink. Well... Instead, Charlie Brown came with that little, small, pathetic, lifeless tree, and the kids 
hated it. You blockhead Charlie Brown. And the CBS executive said, that's so funny. This is going to be one of the greatest specials that we've had. And then in the, in the movie, frustrated Charlie Brown asks the question, what's Christmas all about anyway? And then Linus goes into this long dissertation from the Gospel of Luke, Old King James Version. And the CBS executive said, hold it. You, we, we can't do that. On a Christmas special like this? No, you, you can't quote scriptures on national TV. And especially something from the old King James. You will alienate all of our viewers. You'll chase our advertisers away. The tree can stay, but the story has to go. Schultz stood for, firm. If I can't tell the true Christmas story, then you can't have the peanuts cast. If I can't have the Bible reading... Everything goes. CBS executives got together and they said, well, we're at a deadline and uh, it's already been advertised. We just know, they said, we just know that we're going to pay a terrible price for letting you do this. And sure enough, that night when Charlie Brown Christmas special aired, CBS switchboard was flooded with calls and everyone asking the same question. When can we have more? Charlie Brown Christmas specials. And CBS said, very soon. That night, something was born, which is a Charlie Brown Christmas special that still runs today, and people love it. But here's what it's all about. Watch this one clip. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. <laughs> and there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, wow, what a line. That's what Christmas is all about. You know... It seems like that, I don't know about you, but it seems like for the majority of people, Christmas is about decorations, trees, parties, and gifts. It's become more of a holiday than a holy day. I think people, even though we know in our mind, I think the majority of people know the real meaning of Christmas. Yeah, I mean, we, but yet we have, we have the nativity sets, we have the TV specials, but I wonder sometimes... If even we as believers, we get to the place that we're just going through the motions, 
just going through the motions instead of really celebrating the meaning of Christmas. When Charlie Brown asked that question, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And the whole focal point of that cartoon now is about that. And so the whole focal point of today's teaching is about that same thing. Doesn't anybody know what Christmas is all about? I want us to look at that passage of Scripture. It's there in your notes, or you can watch it on the Sky Bible today. But look, at this is from Luke chapter 2, verse 18 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? Terrified. Terrified. They were afraid. And the angel said, don't be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all people. So the real remedy for fear is the good news. The good news. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born, who is the Messiah of the Lord. And this is a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, read it out loud with me. Are you ready? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's what Christmas is all about, right? And from that passage... We can learn some life lessons to apply to our life. If you're taking notes today, here's the first life lesson. Do not fear. Do not fear. Say that with me. Do not fear. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fear. Don't, don't fear. Uh, Luke 2 and 10 says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I think sadly... Part of the issue that we live with today, all of us, is from time to time we experience that word fear. Fear is uninvited. Have you ever invited fear into your life? Fear is unwanted. Nobody says, I think today I'll take a dose of fear. I have a choice of a lot of stuff and today I'll just take some fear. But fear is limiting. I guarantee you if I ask you today as you're leaving, are there any fears in your life? Is there something that you're preoccupied with? Maybe not immobilizing, but something that's there. But sadly, some of you here today or some of you watching online are really experiencing some fear that's immobilizing you. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff that we have a fear of, right? Let's start with what's been on everybody's mind for the last several years, and it simply is, when is this COVID thing ever going to end? It seems like you get over it and then another thing comes up and it's another excuse for that. And so we, there's a lot of people who've, who've never come back to church yet are really fearful because of the what ifs. That's a big one. Or how about this, the economy? We see the reports all the time, right? Well, we're in a recession. What's well, going to lead to a depression? Well, we're going to have a collapse. You can't keep borrowing this money without that. And so that's a fear. Are we going to get to the place that our economy just tanks? Or those of us that are a little older, is this decline still going to decline? And all the retirement that we have just getting so minuscule. And there's the fear of that. And there's the fear that we don't go to the doctors for a checkup because we're afraid they'll do what? Find something wrong. I mean, we never go, you ever go to the doctor and think, today they're going to find some good things about me, right? No, it's the fear. It's the fear. Or you get a call, and it's the fear of 
What's that call going to bring? Or maybe it's a fear that your children or your grandchildren are going to be hurt. Or maybe it's a, fr- a fear that you're going to lose your job and then you, you'll lose your house and you'll be foreclosed. Or, and there in your notes, there's a little question. No, it's not a question. It's a statement. Right now, my greatest fear is. Would you take just a moment and fill that out? I know maybe some of you say, well, you know, you don't have enough paper there for me. I need a whole bunch because I'm experiencing a lot of fear. But what's the number one, the main fear that you're facing this morning? Would you write that down? Maybe it's a fear that I don't know how I can go on. Maybe it's a fear of I don't know what is going to happen to my business or to my family, to my marriage, to my kids. Fear cripples because it's not a rational thought. Our Christmas is all about releasing fears. See, when we think about fear, you got to think about this. Jesus didn't come to scare us, did he? But he came to save us. I mean, Jesus came as a baby. Have you ever looked at a baby and felt fear? Uh, Not usually, right? (laughs) Of all the ways that God could come, he could have come with an army that would have brought fear. He could have come with a trumpet, and and as Anita said, he will sound the trumpet, but he didn't come like that. He came as the simplest of all forms, came as a baby, not to scare us, but to save us so that we wouldn't have to face the fears. But you see, but if you're here today or you're watching online, and you don't know him, your life is all wrapped up in yourself and who you are, then there are fears. And they're legitimate fears. Because you're in this thing by yourself. We say, well, you know, I've got my friends that help me. But listen, how many of you know friends, (laughs) you think they're going to stick with you and uh, they exit too? What is the fear today? What is the fear? But the angels proclaimed, fear not. Release your fear. Life lesson number two is that we need to receive our Savior. Receive our Savior. Fear not. Do not fear. Receive your Savior. Notice I say your Savior. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Our greatest need in humanity is to be saved, is salvation. Think about that. I mean, just think about that for a moment. If our greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need was money, God would send an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, God would send an entertainer. But our greatest need today is for our sins to be forgiven and that we be brought into right relationship with God. Here's what I know. God created a vacancy in our heart. And the only thing that can fit that vacancy is a right relationship with Jesus. Not religion, not coming to church, not jumping through hoops and going through all the things and pretending or looking like we're a good Christian, but a right relationship with Jesus. Have you ever been in a wrong relationship with someone? Yeah, conflict, difficulty, separation, isolation. 
because of sin in our life that has separated us from Jesus. But he came to be our savior, to reconcile us to God. The Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not one, for we've all sinned. And that's keeping us from God. We need a savior. We need our sins forgiven and to be in right relationship with God. You love that. You've seen this verse and you've read it. Probably most of you memorize it. John 3, 16 and 17. Read it with me out loud. Are you ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, the key to possessing eternal life and spending eternity with God is this, that I admit my need for a savior. I believe that Jesus is that savior and I ask him to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life. But I know so many people, they say, well, you know, when I look at my life, Terry, my life is, I, I don't live my life bad like Herkimer lives his life or like Sally lives her life. You know, I'm, I'm a good person. I treat people fairly. I treat people all right. And, you know, I try to go, I go buy Salvation Army tank and I put some money in the little thing there as it goes, you know, and do all of that. I, I'm a pretty good person. But the issue is, God doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't give us different grades, but it's pass or fail. I fail the grade, and I'll not spend eternity with him if I've never invited Jesus into my life and had that life change. But if Jesus has been coming into my life, I may not be, I won't be a perfect person in your eyes but perfect in God's eyes because I've invited Jesus into my heart and into my life. You see, heaven is a perfect place and God is there. And if it's a perfect place, that means there can be no sin there. That's why when Jesus died on the cross and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? Because God couldn't look upon the sin that was in his life because of me or you. You see, unless our sins are forgiven, we're not going to heaven because heaven is a perfect place. But then our pride comes in like, I'm gonna save myself. I'm gonna do good, I'm gonna do better. I promise you this New Year's resolutions, I'll do good and I'll be able to do that. But we know this, that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost and that was a relationship with God. So life lessons, number three, is that we need to experience peace. Number one, do not fear. Number two, receive your savior. And number three, experience peace. Let's say them together. You ready? Number one, do not fear. Number two, receive your Savior. And three, experience peace. I love this verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. There's no substitute for the peace that Jesus offers. The world's definition of peace is, well, let's stop the war on Ukraine. Let's stop the war here, or let's do that. And so they say, if we, have, if we have a cessation from the conflict, we have peace. But how many of you know as soon as that conflict ends, because of the sin that's in this world, another conflict begins. And so it's just that constant thing, just that constant thing. There's only one way to find peace, and that's in Jesus. 
In another Peanuts cartoon, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, it's Christmas season. I think we ought to bury our differences, forgive each other and try to be kind and get along. Charlie Brown responded, great, but why just this season? Let's do it all year long. In true form, Lucy says, do you think I'm some kind of fanatic or something? But Jesus is about peace, lasting peace. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came to reconcile us to God so that we can have our sins forgiven, our past. Imagine when I come to him, my whole past is erased and he gives me a purpose for living and he gives me a hope of eternity, of a new heaven and a new earth. My, my eternity is not going to be somewhere in a heaven floating around with a harp and, and a cloud. You know, it's probably going to be somewhere on the new earth riding some sort of new motorcycle you've never seen before. And Jeremy and Lucky you can't sell it because it's not been invented yet. Because you see, the joy that we get in this world is going to be the same joy that we get on that new heaven and that new earth, except it'll be perfect. Perfect. Can you imagine? Why would anyone turn that away? Here's what the scripture says. All this is from God. Through Christ, God made peace between himself and us. Wow. Through Christ, God made peace between us and him. And God gave us the work of bringing people into peace with him. I mean that God was in Christ making peace between the world and himself in Christ. God did not hold people guilty for their sins. And he gave us this message of peace to tell people. So we have been sent to speak for Christ. It's like God is calling to people through us. We speak for Christ when we beg you to be at peace with God. Sometimes people say, well, why are you, so, why are you always sort of inviting people to church and telling people about God? Why are you doing that? Because once we were without peace and we found peace and we know that God wants us to do everything, even begging people to be at peace with God. Christ had no sin, but God made him who knew no sin to become sin so we could be right with God. I, uh, I was listening and reminded of a story this week. Pastor Kevin and I were talking and he said, you know, he said, I, I love this story. And it's a true story. It's about a father and a son. And they were both uh, people who loved art. And so the father painted, the son painted, uh, but they collected pieces of art from all around the world. And they had a great, great, great uh, uh, gallery of great art prints from around the world that you, you could hardly put a value on. This was right as the Vietnam War was beginning. And uh, the son had to go into the military. He went to Vietnam. And tragically, while he was in Vietnam, he was killed. He took a bullet to save a friend who was in line of being shot, and he lost his life. The father gave up all of his painting. He gave up all of, his, uh, all of making any more pictures, and he closed the door on his gallery, and he didn't want anything else to do with them. Several weeks after the passing of his son, there was a knock on the door. It was a young soldier. He said, sir, you don't know who I am. And in his hand, he had a wrapped piece of canvas. He said, uh, your son died for me. He took the bullet that was coming towards me. 
And he said, but prior to that, we were best of friends. And he said, we shared the joy of painting. And he said, I painted a picture of your son. And I wanted to give it to you. The father unrolled the painting. He said, wow, you captured his likeness. It looks just like him. I mean, even down to the detail of his eyes. Wow, thank you. I'll cherish this for the rest of my life. The father framed the picture. He put it in his gallery. A few years later, the father died. And his gallery went up for auction. Everybody traveled from around the world to be able to bid on the gallery. The room was full, packed. They brought out the first picture. It was the picture of the man's son. And he said, the auctioneer said, I've been told that we have to start with this painting. What is my bid? Nobody bid anything. He said, what is the bid for this painting? It's a father's son. Nobody bid. Finally, a guy in the back of the building said, I'll give you ten, ten dollars. The auctioneer said, am I bid 20? 20. Nobody bid. So he brought the gavel down. Sold for $10. The auction is now closed. Everybody was in an uproar. What do you mean? He said, well, when I got the contract for this sale, it read like this. Whoever takes my son gets everything. That's what God says to us. You want everything? Take my son. The Lord Jesus Christ came as a small baby, going through all the same things that you and I go through. But when it came time, at the point of his ministry, he went to the cross, he took your sins, your sins, your sins, your sins, and mine. And he died. On the third day he rose, and he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the Father says to us today at this Christmas morning, I'll give you everything, but you have to first of all, take my son, take my son. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you sent your son to born, be born of a virgin, to live and die so we could no longer fear the future, so that we could have our sins forgiven and be reconciled to God. We know, Lord, it all comes down to the choice that we make this morning. Will we let this message and the truth of this story change us and give us peace? Or will we say, hey, that was a good teaching, good life lessons, and we remain unchanged still in our sins? Lord, I pray today through your Holy Spirit that you would draw us to you. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and maybe that made sense to you, saying, you know what? I, uh, I, I need Jesus. I really do. I don't understand it all. 
But I just know that the way my life is, I've tried to make changes, I've tried to do things, and it just seems like it makes worse. I've tried to find everything that there is to bring me lasting peace. And I still feel like I have a big hole in my life. That hole can only be filled by Jesus, the Son. So if you're here today, I'm not that saying that you understand everything that there is, but I'm just saying that you know that in your heart right now, you feel a knocking on your heart's door and Jesus is saying, let me in. I want to bring you forgiveness of your sins. I want to give you a purpose for living. And I want to settle your eternity for good. So here's what I'd like to do today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you feel bad. But if you're here and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, you've never said yes to him as a savior, or maybe you did that years ago, but you've grown cold in your relationship with him. You need to rededicate your life to him today. If that's you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do in just a minute. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. And I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And this church is going to pray with you today. Because you see, this is a personal matter between you and Jesus right now. And I know he's speaking to your heart. It's not an accident that you're here today. He wanted you to hear this story. Take my son and you get everything else. So if that's you today and you say, yep, Terry, that's, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus for the first time or to rededicate my life to him. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me this morning? Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's what I need to do today. Terry, lead me in this prayer. Let, let me be in this prayer today. I want to do that. I want to leave today with peace. I want to leave with a new hope, a new hope, a new hope. Just raise your hand. Those of you watching online, raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. Yep, I, I want to do that today. I want to do that. It's a simple thing. Simple thing. We've all done that at times. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up this morning. Thank you. Others today say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. Say, can I do it on my own? Sure, you can do it on your own. But there's something happens when Jesus is knocking on your heart's door and he says, now's the time. Now's the time. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let me lead you in a prayer. Maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you wanted to raise your hand. Maybe you feel like that you, you, God wouldn't have you because you've turned him away so long. I've never met anybody that he wouldn't have that he turned away. So let me lead you in a prayer today. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins so that I could have peace and forgiveness of my sins, have a reason for living and a hope for eternity. I need you today. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life as best as I know how. I want to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus name as a church it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life and we would love to help you continue that journey to find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next join us next week as we continue to love God help people and make disciples